Kyrie Irving officially got it traded from the Brooklyn Nets. So we're going to talk about what that means for the Houston Rockets. And we also have Sean Pendergast on the show. We're going to be talking about D'Amico Ryans become the new Houston Texans head coach. So stay tuned. All right, and welcome back to the episode of the Bridal and Will Show. I'm your first host as always, Will. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bias Houston over there. We've been doing a lot of the post game spaces covering. Uh, we, you know, we're gonna talk about the Texans today, so we kind of branch out to all types of Houston sports. Um, if you, you want to tap in with that, we really appreciate that. And I'll quickly shout out the podcast itself on uh, all the streaming platforms and YouTube. We appreciate all the support you've been showing us there. And with that, I'll pass out to Brad. As always, you can catch me on Instagram and Twitter at Brad NBA. All your favorite. You know, Rockets highlights and stats I have you covered. Um, today, we have a fun episode. We have Deshaun Pendergast on the show. So second time on the show, so happy to have him back as always. So, you know, we have to talk about the Texans. Uh, exciting hiring with D'Amico, so we're going to get into that later. But first, a uh, few hours before this episode um, is being recorded, Kyrie Irving officially got traded to the Dallas Mavericks, which is too. So we're going to kick it off. To show. Uh, he got traded for Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, a late first and a second, if I'm not mistaken, Will. So, Sean, what are your thoughts on, on this trade? Um, uh, yeah, I uh, well, first I appreciate you guys having me on. I really enjoyed coming on last time, so I was excited when I got the when I got the the, the call out of the bullpen again. When you guys walked out to the mound and said, "Bring out the bring the right hand around," <laughs> I want to come in and talk to talk to these guys. So I appreciate you guys uh, having me on again. Um, my reaction to this trade is I was going to feel sorry for any fan base that was going to have Kyrie Irving come onto their team. And in this case, it's the Dallas Mavericks. And I have a hard time feeling sorry for Dallas about anything because it's Dallas and we're in Houston. So right. if, if he's, if he's going to go torpedo some other team, best it be a team that, uh, you know, that, that, that Houstonians can at least enjoy the, uh, the carnage of Kyrie Irving. I, I just, I've never been a Kyrie Irving guy. Um, he's to me, he's, he's, uh, Anytime he hasn't had LeBron James attached at the hip, it's been bad news. Before LeBron got to Cleveland, they were in the lottery, pick top pick, you know, two more times after he was the top pick in 2011. LeBron gets there and they do a whole bunch of winning, which is for most of his career what LeBron had done. So I don't give Kyrie a ton of credit for all the winning they did when LeBron was there because as soon as – it, as soon as Kyrie didn't like playing with LeBron, he he wanted to get traded away from LeBron <laughs> to Boston. He goes to Boston – and they have more success in the postseason without him in Boston than they had with him in Boston. He gets to Brooklyn. I added up the numbers today. Since he got to Brooklyn, he's played in 143 games over three-plus seasons, which unto itself is a horrible number. But he's gotten paid almost $120 million to play in 143 games. Granted, in those 143 games, he's averaging 27 points a game. He is a delightfully skilled young man, not as young as he used to be. But he is, uh, he's a really skilled basketball player. But, I mean, all of those things I just said don't even begin to encompass with him, whether it's the, the inability to get on the court last year because of the vaccine mandates, whether it's the tweeting of anti-Semitic content this year that resulted in the eight-game suspension, and then you need the jaws of life to pry an apology out of him for that, and all the other things, just all the nonsense that comes with Kyrie Irving. I think the package they got for Kyrie Irving says it all about what Kyrie Irving's value is on the marketplace. Most of the times when you have a guy that's that skilled, a 27-point-a-game 
guy who could be a point guard for you if you wanted to, or he can be a two guard. He shoots 40% from three. He goes for basically two role players and a first round pick sometime at the end of the decade. Um, to me, it just looks like Brooklyn wanted to get out of the Kyrie Irving business. And now I think the more intriguing thing now is what, what is, uh, what happens next with the Kevin Durant business? You know, we know Durant wanted out during the off season last year and they finally, everybody put their weapons down down and said, okay, well, let's live together and exist together. Because they're not just going to dump Kevin Durant. They'll dump Kyrie Irving, but they're not going to just dump Kevin Durant. Right. Will, what are your thoughts on the move? Um, obviously, this is great for the Rockets. You know, they have Brooklyn's future, as we discussed in our last podcast. But what were your thoughts on the move? Yeah. I was shocked. Um, I thought he was for sure headed to one of the L.A. teams. I thought he was going to either the Lakers or the Clippers, and I, I was betting it was going to be the Lakers. Um, so I was, I was very shocked to see that the Mavericks were the team that – uh, did move the the needle for him. Um, like Sean said, they didn't really give up is like half as much as you would think a guy of his services would like normally go for in the market, which I, I agree with Sean reflects um, his value to the NBA where he's at right now, whether it's the fact that the guy is kind of injury prone. Um, he might call some, some, some drama here and there in the media, you know, with the anti-Semitic comments and, you know, Kyrie's not afraid to speak his mind. Um, and then on top of that, like, I, I think his value has never really like, recovered from the part of he's like not afraid to just take pto whenever he wants to right like he'll just take off you know from, you know a couple of weeks and like yeah that's you know just you don't want, like when he uh, got to brooklyn they didn't know where Kyrie was at first so like stuff like that just kind of is like the norm of Kyrie. so i think when you compound all of that together that's how you end up trading a guy who's probably like a top 2015 player in our league he's, he's a starter in the all-star game this year and so that guy ends up going for like see two role players, uh, a first round pick and a second round pick. Um, from Dallas's perspective, I mean, you didn't really give up much, and you you, you get a uh, Jalen Brunson like plus in, in Kyrie Irving. So like it was, I think it's a it's a I don't think it's a great trade because I'm not really sure how how much I like Kyrie and, and Luca, and I'm also not sure um, if you're gonna be able to retain Kyrie right because like. That guy has been linked to the Lakers for quite some time now. It wouldn't shock me if this is like a three-month rental, then he's 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 jetting to, to the Lakers this offseason. So um I don't love it for those reasons. If they can extend him, I probably would love it a little bit more. Um, but I think you have to kind of try to do something to to keep Luca happy and keep him um in good graces. So from from the Mavericks standpoint, that, that's what it is. From Brooklyn's standpoint, I mean, you were gonna lose any trade you traded Kyrie Raven for. You're gonna you're, you're gonna lose it. It was you guys kind of take the L on it. Um, I think their decision, like assuming that the Lakers did have that package we talked about last time, Brad, of of Russ and those two first round picks, right. assuming that was indeed offered for Kyrie Irving and the and the, the Nets said no, we want this Mavericks trade. To me, that tells me that they're going to try to stay afloat, right? Because if, if I'm just punting, I'm ready to you know build for the future. Those two Lakers picks are going to be valuable. I'm I'm, I'm going to bet a lot of money that Lakers aren't going to be good in 2027, right? So. I would rather have those picks as opposed to two role players um, and, a, and a, a Mavericks first round pick, right? Now, if, from the perspective of like, I think that are trying to stay afloat. They did get two pretty like beefed up role players. Spencer Dinwiddie is is, is one of the better, uh, you know, guards in the it's not, it's not like a, a star or you know, all star all NBA kind of guy. Um, and Dorian Finney Smith is somebody who can go out there and clamp up a lot of uh, the perimeter players in the NBA. He can hit a three. So like, they got two really good role players. They added that to their. Um, the roster is like I saw, um, you know, our, our good friend Brooklyn Nets. Cassie tweeted, he, he's right. Like, um, it's it's kind of funny how the roster right now is the complete inverse of the roster 
um, like two seasons ago where it was like nothing but offense. Now it's nothing but defense and Kevin Durant. They got a bunch of guys out there who are really good defensively and then just Kevin Durant, I guess Cam Thomas now, right? Um, so like, I don't, I don't, obviously I don't love it for Brooklyn at all. I, I think they lost the trade. And as a Rockets fan, I'm, I'm very happy that they lost the trade or, you know, Kyrie Evans going, we talked about this as well. Like, this is just like the, the next domino um, in those picks being, you know, something valuable on the, on the open market. And so I, I ended with this, you know, it was, it goes back to what we were saying last time about um, how can the Rockets try to help facilitate a Kevin Durant trade this off season? Like, is there any way we can kind of get involved in that? Um, maybe get some, get some stuff out of that. Um, and yeah, like, I, I don't think the, I don't think the Nets are going to, are going to, they might make the playoffs this year. I don't think they're going to just completely like get out. Cause they, they, I think they're like the fourth seed right now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're, they're, they're still like in the playoff picture. I think if nothing else, make the playing tournament. Um, but I do think that it's over. I think that the window has closed. Um, and I mean, I don't know where you go if you're Brooklyn from here. It's kind of like in a tough situation. Yeah. Before I even talk about the Nets, it's from a standpoint of looking at the Dallas Mavericks. Sean makes a great point. You never want to see a Dallas team succeed. If you're <laughs> That's right. It's all about vitriol towards Dallas, guys. That's what yeah, it's all about. Exactly. It goes to the Cowboys, too. But just looking at that team, from an offensive standpoint, that's probably one of the best offensive teams in the NBA. Um, that's assuming that Kyrie is – there's no off-the-court stuff going on. He's playing as, as a good offensive team. But from a defensive standpoint, they lack a lot. And you have to think this trade got facilitated so quickly because both teams want to make an extra move. Dallas might need to get a guy uh, who's really good defensively because right now they have Kyrie Irving, Luca, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. at your three, who's more Christian of a Wood. Guard. Yeah, and then you have Maxi Kleber at your four, who's not a good defender. And then Christian Wood, we know about him on defense. And then that bench, <laughs> yeah, and then the bench, you have Josh Green, JaVale McGee, who's not a bad defender, and then Reggie Bullock, who's one of the worst three-point shooters in the NBA right now. So they need another piece, but uh, there's some you know potential to make it work there. If you're, you're Dallas, you're dying to get Luka a co-star, and they got him in Kyrie, but at the cost of what? Because as we talked about, Kyrie, he's a big question mark, and you don't know what's going to happen with him in the future. Uh, worst come to worst, I have seen it discussed that they could be able to facilitate a sign-and-trade if it doesn't work out so they can, can recoup some assets in that, in that facet. But you never know. I I, um, I commend Mark Cuban for making the gamble. you got to keep Luka happy because he's one of the best players uh, that we're going to see in a long time. But from the Nets, yeah, I, I just, re- yeah, just real. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Brad. Just to be clear, like on my, like I, I think it's gonna fail with Kyrie in Dallas, but I totally understand the move. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they're they're twenty eight and twenty six. They got to do something. You know. I agree. I agree. In the West right now, it's, yeah. it's wide open. You know, a lot of teams are around five hundred, yeah. just above five hundred. Right now, the Nuggets look ahead of the bunch, but even then, they haven't shown they could win anything in the yep. playoffs. Right now, you have Steph Curry who just got an injury. And you don't know yeah. if he's going to come back, if the Warriors are going to be in the playoffs around that time. So it's good to make a move like this at this time. And we'll see what happens. If it doesn't pay off, it doesn't pay off. But come in the gamble. But as for the Nets, again, they didn't get a lot. Uh, Kyrie's value is showing, as you guys both mentioned. So from a Rocket standpoint, that's really good. I think they're four or four and a half games back from the play-in right now. So if they don't make the, if they make it to the play-in and they lose, again, that could help the Rockets because they have that pick swap. And even then, Kevin Durant is a championship league. Now, I can't see him staying if they're not winning. He's not have a championship roster, even though he has a really good roster. He could make some moves, maybe make the second round. Second round, maybe. But even then, Kevin Durant um, is so The East is tough this year, man. Yeah, it is. I don't, I don't know. Like, it's it's really tough this year. I don't think he makes it the first round. Yeah, even, even then, Kevin Durant does not care about the second round. And he, 
this guy wants a championship. So I have to simply ask out again. It's going to be tough to move him. I'm sure we'd see something as we saw last offseason. They'd have an insane asking price, and that whole fiasco would go down. But again, as a Rockets fan, we had to be happy. And I talked about Oh, yeah. On, yeah. Yeah. I talked about it on the Twitter space. A lot of luck has to go Houston's way for them to succeed. You know, you'd like to see a top two pick, a franchise changing guy. A lot of people are you know, hoping for potentially James Harden can come back. But, you know, one of the things that we needed to happen was Brooklyn collapsing, and it's looking like that's starting to happen. So that's, again, great news for us. I want to add one thing to Thumbs what up. you just said. Um, so, so, one, um, if you would have told me two years ago when James Harden first got traded to Brooklyn that Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden would only win one playoff series together, and then all of those guys would either request a trade and then get traded, like, a year later – I'd be like, man, what are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense at all. But, like, here we are uh, almost, like, a little over two years later, and two of, two of those three guys are gone. One of them is probably going to be looking to leave this offseason. It, it, like, it flung out a lot quicker than I think even a lot of people who were, like, doubtful of that team thought it would. Um, so that's my first point. And then my second point I want to bring up – oh, go ahead, Sean. you want to add something to that? No, 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 no. Well, just real quick, like, and, and not just they all got – not just two of them have been traded. James Harden got traded for Ben Simmons. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not as though they got a bunch of stuff back where you're like, okay, well then we'll just build this nah. thing a little bit differently. I do think the Kyrie trade does they didn't win the trade, but at least you get like Ben Simmons is overpaid and not good and he's yeah. kind of a basket case, you know. So that's yeah. it's yeah, it's not just the trades, it's like they brought back stuff that was a, as big a pain in the ass as the stuff they sent back, you know. So, not yeah, bigger, so, it was a bigger pain. Yeah, right? bigger pain, right? Because right, right. now you're stuck paying Ben Simmons, you know, a max money and he's not worth half that right now. That's right. So, yeah. Um, and then the second point I want to make is like a lot of people seem to think that because like we talked about it, Brad, trading Kevin Durant, it's gonna be it's gonna be really difficult to do because you're losing right. a top five, seven guy in the NBA this year. Like it's you're gonna want a package for that guy. He's also like under contract for a very long time. Like you're gonna want to get your value for Kevin Durant. It's gonna be really hard to 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 get that value in the open market. So the team is gonna be trading for KD. It's probably gonna lose a lot of the assets they would want to pair KD with. Like it's it's gonna be really difficult. Um, but assuming that like a trade does get done, right? I know a lot of people are saying that like the Rockets, I'm sorry, the Nets are still gonna be good post KD. I'm like, man, I don't know if a trade exists out there for this team to be good without them because you're not gonna get another top 15 guy mm-hmm. for KD. That's not happening. You're not getting, you know, you, you might be lucky if you get a top 25, 30 guy in the NBA for Kevin Durant. Even that might be a reach. Um and like the Nets, I mean, they were a good team this year, but like, man, that's when you had, you know, top 15 guys in KD and Kyrie on your roster. We've seen what this roster looks like, you know, when KD's hurt and Kyrie's out. Like, it's, it's you know, what I'm saying that the guy's taking leaps this year. I have no faith in this team. That's why I'm going to bring back to what I was saying to you, Brad, earlier. The East is tough, bro. Like, the West, the West is wide open. Like, if you told me, like, I don't know, man. The I'm looking at these Western Conference teams, man, because it's it's really wide open. You told me the the Kings made the conference finals. I'd be like, I mean, I guess, you know what I'm saying? That's not a sense I think I would say in a while, but like it's I mean, it could be anybody outside They're of the Nuggets. three seed right now, I want to say too. Yeah, you know I'm saying outside, they are the outside, three. I'm looking at the standings, they're the three yeah. seed. Outside the Nuggets, none of these teams like scream like locks to make the conference finals. Like I could see it going anyway. The East is a little bit different, man. Like I, I, there are clearly teams out there: the Bucks, the 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 Sixers, the Celtics. Like I think those teams are for sure locks. I think at least two of those teams are going to be the conference finals this year. Um, and then I think Cleveland, like they're they're young, they're they're really good right now. They're going to be getting better. Um, 
I don't think Miami just falls off the face of the earth as long as they got Jimmy Bam. You know, they're going to be looking to make some moves to, to, to bolster that roster. The Knicks are trying to get better. They still have a lot of assets to, you know, to, to add to that roster with. They were going to make Donovan Mitchell this offseason. They can still go out there and get another guy like that. Um, and then you talk about the teams that are young, right? Like Orlando's coming. Indiana's coming. Uh, I, I think Detroit's at the bottom of the NBA, but they're going to, like, when K gets that, they're going to be bringing another young guy to the to their roster. Like, that team's going to be playing ready sometime soon, right? There's not that many spots in the playoffs for Brooklyn to try to compete with, like you said, Sean, Ben Simmons, Joe Harris. I mean, Cam Thomas yeah. is looking pretty solid, but, like, you're probably not going to get that much. For, like, even if you, like, I think best case scenario, right, let's say you somehow, the, the Celtics give you Jalen Brown. I don't know if Jalen Brown and that cast of guys is better than like a ninth, ten seed. You know, like I, right? I don't, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I think that no matter what happens, I think the Nets are going to be headed towards you know the bottom of the East. And so maybe, maybe we don't get you know you remember how like like when the Celtics had those uh, Nets picks, like it was like guaranteed a top five pick every year. Maybe it's not top five every year, but I'm like I'm willing to bet serious money that we're going to get at least one top 10 pick thanks to Brooklyn this because of this trade mm. because the, I I just don't see how these teams is afloat without you know they were they were barely afloat with their top 15 guys and now they don't have them so I don't really see it yeah last thing I wanted to add is just looking at that Brooklyn team you know almost a year ago today they traded James Harden and looking at that that trio they only played 16 games together they were 13 crazy with those, with those in those games um with katie and kyrie since 2020 they played 74 games together just katie and kyrie uh it's just it's crazy how quick it all blew up and i was thinking maybe 2025 they blow it up and we start looking at those pick swaps but it all was accelerated and these picks could start looking really good really really soon so I have to be excited, as I mentioned in my first statement. But, Sean, did you want to talk about anything Rockets related before we kick it off to the Texans? Uh, no, I think you guys pretty much uh, – I mean, I think this Kyrie thing is probably, as far as the Rockets go, the thing that impacts them – the thing that impacts them the most. I mean, it's been it's it's been an interesting watch the last couple of weeks with, uh, you know, the various guys in and out of the lineup and how some of these games have gone with certain lineups and certain guys, you know, like – Oh, yeah. no Jalen this time. <laughs> hey, boy, things seem to be moving pretty good when you're running things through Alpi uh, as much as you are on the offensive end. That, that's been that's been intriguing to me. I, I think we kind of know the direction this whole thing's going by the time the season is over. I, I think there's going to be somebody different coaching this team next year. Um, and, and I'll be looking forward to the lottery. And then this is the last year I want to look forward to the lottery for a long, long time. <laughs> for Let's sure. get this thing going. You know what I mean? That's, that, that's kind of where I'm at with the Rockets. I hear you. And from a Texas, yep. right, oh, so before, before we go into the Texas, I, I want to ask Sean because, like, I have to know. So, I know we're going to talk about D'Amico and kind of the future of this team, the draft, all that good stuff. But I have to know what was your reaction week 18 when they won that game? <laughs> what was going um, I, I, well, okay, I'll tell you exactly what it was in the moment. I got over it quicker than some did or have. I like some haven't gotten over it at all yet. And, and what Will's referring to, obviously, you're referring to the Texans. Basically taking a game where they had a 1% probability of winning with about a minute and a half to go and turning it into a, essentially trading down from the number one pick to the number two pick. They traded a win over Indianapolis to move down in the draft. Um, my reaction when it happened was I was in our Verizon artist lounge. I'm up at the studio recording this right now. So right down the hall at the end of this, at the end, at the end of the hall here, we have a big, like a theater room up here with probably about 40 or 50 seats in it. It's where we, 
have a lot of listener events and things like that. It's where the music station's up here. They'll bring a musical act up here and they'll do small shows in there. And it has a big movie screen in there. So on road games, that's where Clint Sterner and I watch the game. We watch it in that theater room in there. And it's pretty good. It's a pretty fun place to watch. I never root against the Texans, ever, ever, ever. Even in years where they're not doing very well, I can never bring myself to just root against the team because of draft capital. You know, I just it's it's not fun. You know, Rocket fans do. It's fun to root for your team, not against your team. That game I was rooting against the Texans because it was within <laughs> our grasp. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, if I have a clear if-then where I only have to do it for one day, then fine, I'll do it. And so I did – and when that fourth and 20 went through that guy's hands and landed in the hands of Jordan Akins in the end zone, and then they went for two and they won, I flipped a stool in the lounge <laughs> over and I pushed a table down. And my boss was in there while this was going on. And I just looked at him and I said, send me the bill. That's what I said to him. I said, send me the bill. And um, nothing broke. Thank God. Uh, so I was mad. I was mostly mad, not because they won. I was mad that they made me sit there for 59 minutes and root against them and they end up winning the damn game. You know what I mean? Like, I can't even get it right when I'm rooting against you. You win. Like, I've been rooting for you for 17 weeks now. And so, um, yeah, part of it was mostly self-loathing that I was so angry about. I'm like, I can't believe I rooted against my team because I hate doing that. So that was my, to answer your question, that was my reaction, like my, <laughs> literally my reaction I since have gotten over it. It helps that Chicago is the team with the first pick and they definitely don't need a quarterback and they're going to stick with Justin Fields. Now they can trade out of that spot. Doesn't happen very often. The teams with the number one pick are able to trade. And I don't know that anybody's moving, giving up significant draft capital to move up necessarily to get Bryce Young. I love Bryce Young. I want Bryce Young. I wish we had the number one overall pick so I didn't have to sweat getting Bryce Young, but he is you know, under six feet tall and he has a bird frame. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's skinny. So I, my sense I get is I don't know that that's the type of quarterback a team is going to go, okay, well let's give up a couple more first to move up three spots to get him. That's everybody's fear with the Colts at number four is they're going to move up and get Bryce Young and he's going to torment us for the next 15 years. Um, I still think they find a way to get Bryce Young if they want him. Um, the good news is, uh, that I think there's, I think CJ Stroud and Bryce Young are both quarterbacks worth taking near the top of the draft. So I don't think either of them are a reach to take it to. Um, you know, if it were Bryce Young and then this huge drop off and Bryce got picked with the first, and now you're like, well, we need a quarterback. So we better take, you know, be like last year if they took Kenny Pickett with the second overall pick, Pittsburgh took him with the 20th overall pick. You know, if you took him with the second overall pick, people would have said, well, you're really reaching just because you need a quarterback. I don't think people are going to say that if they wind up with either Young or Stroud. Um, so I, in the end, I, I don't think it was great that they won that game against Indianapolis. I do know, you know, people that think that Lovey Smith went rogue and went for two just to stick it to the Texans because he knew he was getting fired. I 100% know that's not true. I know for sure from conversations I've had with people by ownership to go win the game, go win the game. They want to beat Indianapolis. You know, Indianapolis is our rival. We've only won three times there in the history of the franchise up in Indy, um, go win the game, which I respect. You know, like I know empirically, empirically, it's that's not the smartest thing to do in terms of draft capital. But I don't ever want my team to be one that like goes into a game like not wanting to win the football game. You know, like I just think that's culturally a bad thing. 
And we don't know what these quarterbacks are going to turn into anyways. You know, they, 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 it could be that Young gets picked first, Stroud gets, goes second, and Young ends up getting snapped in two week three of the season because he's so small and everybody was right about it. We just don't – or he could – he might not be good. You know, like that happens a lot. You know, like the draft in 2018, Baker Mayfield went one, Sam Darnold went three, Josh Allen went seven. You know, like it, we just don't know how these things – and Lamar Jackson went 32. 31 teams passed on Lamar Jackson. So – the fact of the matter is we don't know how these things are going to go in the moment. I was really angry, but I'm uh, like a lot of things in my life, guys, I've been able to rationalize it to where I'm now believing that uh, it's the greatest thing to ever happen ever. So yeah, I have, a, I have just the right amount of delusion to get me through the day. <laughs> All right. So Will and I are going to kick it to like an interview style kind of pause. So we're just going to ask you questions about what you think for the Texans. So first off, I mean, yeah, no, the D'Amico hiring, I'll say really quickly, I grew up going to every single Texans game and just seeing D'Amico being the leader of the best Texans team in franchise history, it was really cool. And then to see him come back, um, it, there's no greater feeling. I saw you tweet, this could be the best moment in franchise history. So if you wanted to dive into that and maybe the press conference. Yeah, or some of your- yeah I, I, believe, I still believe, you know, three, four days later, whatever it is, that it is arguably one, I think I tweeted, arguably one of the greatest days in franchise history. Now, some of that is because it's a franchise that's been devoid of a lot of great days in franchise history. Conference title game or a Super Bowl, that would be the greatest day in franchise history. We wouldn't have to argue this. But you guys know from being Texan fans and being Houstonians and sports fans, you guys know how the last three years have gone for this team. You know, there's just been so much weird stuff that's gone on. And I, I've done more out-of-market radio hits on a, in other cities in the last two years than I've done at any time in my career because of the Texans and, but, but it's always been stuff where I go on these shows and, um, you know, I get treated like a circus freak or something like that. They, they, they don't want me on there to, they want me on there because the Texans have acted so weirdly and done such crazy, stupid things the last few years. So when I've been doing my radio hits this week, it's been fun being on there and kind of representing a team that's now making good decisions and being able to get desirable candidates and not talking about David Cully or Lovey Smith. Both very, very nice men who aren't very good football coaches at this stages of their respective careers. I think this is they got the Texans not only the best coach in this cycle, he was the most desired coach in this cycle of hiring. That's inarguable. All five teams put in a request to interview D'Amico Ryans. The two teams he interviewed with both wanted to hire him the Houston Texans and the Denver Broncos. And two of the teams that he canceled interviews with are still floundering trying to find head coaches. I promise you either of them would have hired D'Amico Ryans right now if he were available, Arizona and Indianapolis, without a doubt. Um, Denver want, Denver made a last-second run at D'Amico to try to get him before they pivoted over to Sean Payton. I know there's people denying that out there, Adam Schefter most specifically. I believe Ian Rappaport when he said last week that Denver made a run at D'Amico. That's just something – of the two reports, Schefter and Rappaport, kind of the dueling pianos going on here of reports, Schefter's is the easiest one to say while not being true, just to deny something. No, that didn't happen. Rappaport's the one reporting something did happen. That's the one where you better have your ducks in a row if you're going to report it, that something did happen like that. So I choose to believe Rappaport. Plus, it's more fun to believe him being in Houston that that Denver got second fiddle, that they had to settle for their second choice because – Go Texans. So, um, so I think it's great. I, I don't. But beyond that, beyond getting the most desirable candidate, 
you guys know how this city has been the last couple of years with football. The stadium has been half empty. When it's full, it's full. Uh, a lot of Texan fans been out on the team because of uh, the Deshaun Watson saga, because of Jack Easterby, because Bill O'Brien ruined the team. All of these things are true. They're, they're all valid reasons to, at the very least, take a hiatus from your team, if not quit on them altogether. There are a lot of Texan fans, not a lot, but some, that didn't quit on them at all. Those are the ones I'm happiest for, the ones that were still going to games and wearing the jerseys and just like probably having to rationalize like crazy to remain a fan of the team. For them to be able to finally be proud of something with the team, I don't think we can discount just – the, if you're that big a diehard that you're still sticking with the team and the gift you got this week was D'Amico Ryans, I don't think – they could not have found – forget about coach. They could not have found a better human being to be the person that they hired for this in terms of reuniting the fan base. This franchise needed a whole lot more than somebody who could scheme up plays and scheme up defenses and get free agents to buy in and want to come back here. They needed somebody to – rejuvenate the entire franchise and reunite and reinvigorate the city about Texans football. Um, back in 2011 and 2012, the city was in love with this football team. And then 2013 happened and then they hired Bill O'Brien and it's never been quite the same since in the last two years, it's been the furthest thing from it. So it's a long answer, but D'Amico Ryan's is worth a long answer. This is a really, this is a great move by the Texans. It's just a great, great move and a great, great week. I agree. What did you want to ask him there? Yeah. Uh, I'll add, like, really quickly, I think Sean kind of hit on, like, a, a pretty interesting point about just beyond, you know, X's and O's. The thing that stood out to me the most uh, watching that press conference, was it just seemed like D'Amico cared about our players as people. And I, I know that's kind of like, oh, well, of course the head coach does. But, like, you don't really hear somebody speak on it, like, to the degree that he – like, he, he kind of – I forget the exact quote he used. I'll try to find it. But he says on it's like the fact that you got to, like – relate to them as people first right and then you can lead them and then you can you know coach them and so for me that was like that's what i liked hearing you know from that press conference the fact that like he wants to to get to know our players relate to them we have a lot of guys who would you know fit the the, the, the style of play that he want to you want to play i'm excited to see what he has with like uh stingley and petrie and those guys yeah. um but yeah like i that's what stood out to me the most when that press conference yeah it's you know it's funny will the I was thinking that too, as he's giving those answers, I'm listening to him. He sounds a lot like a college coach right now where he talks yeah. about molding them as men and husbands yeah. and things like that. And D'Amico is very authentic in everything he does. I don't think there's anything that's BS about him. If he's up there saying that the proof is in the, the, the proof was in the room that day. He has 30 of his former teammates in there, including guys that he brought along like that as a teammate, the same way he's brought along young guys as a coach in San Francisco Everywhere he's been, from Houston to Philadelphia to coaching in San Francisco, everybody has said those things about D'Amico Ryan's. It's that that that's that is that's what he does. Like he takes whatever knowledge he has, whatever the spirit is that he has, and he pours it into the players that he's been coaching or that he plays with back when he was here. I mean, Brian Cushing is probably the a number one example of that in terms of D'Amico as a teammate to somebody. D'Amico poured so much into Brian Cushing that they traded D'Amico Ryan's like that's how good he was at, at taking the things that made him so great is that they, they, they saw D'Amico as being, you know, part of it was scheme and they only needed, you know, one inside, you know, they, they didn't need the, you know, they D'Amico became expendable because of salary cap reasons and things like that. But Brian, I promise you they would have kept him if Brian Cushing didn't become the player he became. And Brian Cushing credits D'Amico Ryan's with being the player 
that he became, as have so many others that D'Amico Ryan's come into contact with. And it's funny because those answers at the press conference were the ones where I was asking myself, could I hear Sean Payton giving this same answer and really honestly believe what he's telling me right now? And the answer is no. The answer is no, because most NFL coaches don't view players that way. Most NFL coaches view players as chess pieces, pieces of meat. Um, it's the business. I, I don't begrudge those coaches for feeling that way. It's just that's that's the way the NFL has been. D'Amico's different. Um, he's just different. He's cut from a different cloth. I believe him when he says these things. He's authentic. He's genuine. There would be other coaches that would probably try to say things like that in the press conference, and I promise you 90% of them. promise you Sean Payton, who is the other guy that most Texan fans, if it weren't D'Amico, that would be the sizzle candidate. Um you know, that would pop because he's Sean Payton. If, if you took the answers D'Amico gave and they were coming out of Sean Payton's mouth, he, he I'd be like, OK, I'm calling BS on this right now. So, yeah, he's different. There's no doubt. Um, and I think he's going to get along great with Nick, which I think has been, you know, that's that's been a big question people have. You know, is it Nick Casario is a Patriots guy and D'Amico Ryans is a is the Kubiak Shanahan guy. You know, they come from different backgrounds. We had Nick on our show on Friday and I asked him about that. And um, he said, football's football. You know, we each have different backgrounds. What we're going to arrive at is what Texan football is going to look like. You know, we're going to take the different elements and we're going to combine them and we're going to always make decisions that are in the best interest of the Texans. And, and we're going to arrive at a product that, that people can, you know, people can hopefully be proud of. But I think the two of them are going to get along great. I know from Nick, both in his press conference as well as on our show and as well as private conversations that I've, you know, chatted with him at the actual before the press conference. The um, He's thrilled. Like if any notion that this was uh, the McNairs saying we're going to we want D'Amico because he used to play here and we need a we need butts in the seats and things like that. No way. I mean, that's yeah, they're going to he's going to put butts in the seat. Yeah. But, that, <laughs> that, that, but that was that that was not the reasoning behind it. Um. Nick fell in love with D'Amico just as quickly as any of us would sitting on that Zoom call. They Zoomed for four hours that night um, with, uh, with D'Amico on that Friday night where he had to cancel the other interviews because he just ran out of time. They were on a Zoom call for four hours, the McNairs and Nick and D'Amico. My guess is that was mostly Nick and D'Amico doing a lot of the talking on that, but I can imagine that Cal McNair and Hannah McNair, who were also on that call, were – they were probably blown away, but they already knew D'Amico from his time here as a player. So I think it's going to be a really, at the very least, a really interesting marriage of GM and head coach. Um, but I think it's, I think especially if they get the quarterback, man, I think things could get fun really, really quick. And things have already gotten more interesting with having him here. Yeah. And I said we'd keep it around 30 minutes, so I'll keep it with a quick question here. And That's okay. We'll I got time. I got time. Whatever you guys want. I, whatever you want, man. Yeah, I was just curious. So I've seen uh, they were thinking about maybe bringing in the OC for the 49ers, have a similar kind of you know system that they had back over there. What are your thoughts on bringing in or who are your favorites for, for an OC or a DC for the Texans? I, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I don't I don't know enough. Like, I know all the names. Right. I know Bobby Slowick is the guy you're talking about. Um, you know, Troy Walters is another one who I remember him as a player. He's a wide receivers coach in Cincinnati. Bobby Sloak is the passing game coordinator in San Francisco. My guess is there's probably one or two other guys on the San Francisco staff who could find their way here in some way. Um, my biggest thing with whoever they hire, 
I think they need to, especially because D'Amico is a defensive coach, you know, so that where they're going to see churn, hopefully churn would be a good thing because it would mean that they're scoring a bunch of points and people want to cherry pick guys off of your staff. Like that, that's the, when people go, well, if you hire a defensive coach, you, you have to keep replacing the offensive coordinator every couple of years because people want them to come coach their team. Do you know how great a problem that would be to have an offensive coordinator that some other team would actually want from the Texans? This would be a phenomenal problem to have. It would mean that they're actually producing points and winning football games. So there's no perfect scenario where you're just going to keep the band together for the next 15 years and we just go win with the same guys. If you have a good staff to wit, Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, you know, D'Amico is his fourth head coach that he's placed in his years there that's still head coaching right now. So um, I, I want somebody off of that tree, that Kubiak, Shanahan. Seth calls it Kubshanistan is what he calls the uh, the Kubiak-Shanahan tree. He's he's named it his own country. It sounds like it's a province of Mother Russia, Kubshanistan. But that's um, – so we want somebody from the – I think the biggest thing is that whatever it is they create, whether it's Bobby Slowick or Troy Walters or somebody else, create a staff beneath them where you are nurturing the next guy to come get that job. If somebody comes and cherry-picks Bobby Slowick in three years to be their head coach, you're almost creating the offensive side of the ball like it's a mini – Kubshanistan University, you know what I mean? Where the, the position coach or the quarterback coach and the running backs coach and the O-line coach and so forth are all so well-versed in the system, particularly the quarterbacks coach, because it's a quarterback-driven system. And probably the run game too, so the running backs coach. But however you set that up, passing game coordinator, run game coordinator, however it's set up, just make sure you're keeping enough talent and you're educating them on that offense enough internally so that if you do get somebody cherry-picked off your staff, you can bump the next guy up and on and on we go. You know, So I think that's to me, it's less about who is the guy than getting the framework in place to have it be a successful system moving forward offensively. You know what I mean? And I think, fortunately, D'Amico's worked at a place the last few years where he's seen up close the need for replaceable parts, both on the field and off the field. I mean, look at quarterback on that team. You know, they were planning on it being – Trey Lance, and then he gets hurt, and Jimmy Garoppolo stays, and then uh, you know, and then uh, uh, it it winds up being Brock, uh, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy by the end yeah. of the hell by the end of that game, it was Josh Johnson, you know. So, um, but Purdy was playing well. Josh Johnson not so well, but like Purdy, you know. So I think, I think that's the the concept of that offense is that if something falls out, you can plug it right back in. And that was D'Amico's answer at the press conference about quarterback. He's like, quarterback, he's like, we have one right now. It's Davis Mills. We know we're going to need more quarterbacks. But it's really about building the whole foundation and building everything. So that if something falls out and goes down, the season's not over. You know, we're not looking ahead to the offseason in week nine because our quarterback goes down. we got to build something that's sustainable and versatile and, and, uh, and just operates like a machine. So my long way of saying, like, I don't necessarily have a favorite, but I do know that I want them to build the same style of offense that he has kind of been risen with, with San Francisco and with Kubiak here. You know, when he was here as a player, D'Amico, very familiar with that system. So got to dive into the Kub Shanahan street. I'm going to, I'm going to start using that phrase now. That's what it was, right? Kub Shanistan. Yeah. The Kub Shanistan is what it's called. Kub Shanistan. It's, 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 so it sounds like a nation, like Kazakhstan yeah. or something like that. Okay. Yeah. It's, Coop Shanistani. I think I think our boss here at 610 was starting to put T-shirts together for it. Like we're actually coming up with the Coop Shanistani flag and we're going to put it on a T-shirt. Merch. It's all in merch these days, guys. You know, 
You're right. Gotta sell that merch. I need a I need a Brad Owen Will. I need I need a Brad Owen Will that. T-shirt. <laughs> Will and I we've been yep. talking about that. We're gonna, we're gonna get some merch. Yeah, merch, baby. Hell yeah. There you go. Well, I'll pass it to you, man. Do you have anything? Uh, I mean, you kind of answered the question I was going to ask you a little earlier. Was was more of like the. You know, what were your draft expectations? But you kind of said you wanted Bryce Young. Um, so I don't know if you want to add anything else yeah. about the draft itself. Oh, well, here's what I said is that, yeah, I'm a Bryce Young guy. I want Bryce Young. Same. Whether they stay at two and pick him, I don't want to give up a ton to move up to one and get him. Like, I, they just need pieces. So I don't, I'm not into, I'd rather, as of right now, you know, unless CJ Stroud just goes into this process and just completely wets the bed, I'm cool with being at two and getting CJ Stroud. I'd rather have Bryce Young. There's just something about him that, there's something about him, and, and and I know the fans want him too. There is part of me that's like, wow, D'Amico's already reinvigorated everybody. Everybody feels, feels good about being a Texan fan again. Now you get Bryce Young, who's a Heisman Trophy winner, you know, and he's kind of got that star quality. You know, he's got the Dr. Pepper commercials and things like that, the Nissan commercials. You know, he's got a he's got an it factor about him. I think that would be a lot of fun. I actually think the pick at 12, which is the yeah. pick they got from the Deshaun Watson trade, is – is I won't say the more interesting pick because it's picking a quarterback is super interesting, but I'm kind of sort of low key more intrigued by that one at 12 than I am. I kind of know what they're going to do at two. I have a good idea of it at least. Um, now if they end up picking a non quarterback at two, then boy, that turns That's 12 everything. crazy interesting. Cause maybe they wait, see if Will Levis falls to them at 12, the kid from Kentucky or Anthony Richardson, the kid from Florida who is very raw but just a physical specimen. He's a beast. Um, that would probably be, you know, bringing in a journeyman quarterback for a year just to steer the ship, and then you you make Anthony Richardson the quarterback. So they don't take a quarterback at two. Twelve gets really interesting pretty quick. Um, but even if they do take a quarterback, I think that's what I'll be anxious to see is do they go get a weapon because you drafted a quarterback? You know, do they want to beef up the offense? Do they get a defensive guy? And then people go, well, it's D'Amico's side of the ball, so you use a quarterback at two, and you get a defensive lineman at 12. The, the fact of the matter is they can use everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's no position. There's no position they could draft at 12 where I would say it makes no sense. I'd be a little surprised if they drafted an Ami Tunsil and Titus Howard, but both of them are going to be in a contract year next year. Um, so I, I would be – a little surprised that they drafted interior offensive line just because that would be two years in a row that they used a fairly high pick on a guard. They're definitely not going to draft a center at 12. Um, but wide receiver makes sense to me there. Tight end makes sense to me there. You know, Michael Mayer, the tight end out of Notre Dame, who Nick kind of razzed me on our show the other day because um, I asked him, I, I told him at the end of our interview, I said, we're getting a lot of, because we just talked about D'Amico the whole time. For about 30 minutes, he was with us. And I said, we're getting a lot of texts about the draft, but we'll just save that for next time you're on with us. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know. You want to talk about us taking Mayor? Because I'm a Notre Dame guy. He goes, you want to talk about us taking Mayor? I hear you. And I'm like, yeah, I want to break down some Isaiah Foskey film. He's a Notre Dame guy with you. And Nick's like, yep, had to hear about Kyle Hamilton for two months from you last year. Like, So he's he's already preparing for me to agitate him to draft Michael Mayer with the 12th overall pick, which I will. Um <laughs> But I think tight end, and I think anything defensively. You know, front seven, anything in the front seven, linebacker, defensive line makes sense. Anything in the secondary, you can never have too many corners. Uh, you know, if there's a safety that's worth taking at 12, I don't think there is, like Kyle Hamilton last year. But I could see them taking a safety with one of those day two picks, you know, they um, to put alongside Petrie, who I think is going to be a great player. I, I'm so psyched for Stingley. 
D'Amico Ryan system. You have no idea. Like I, you, you know, uh, uh, D'Amico runs the same system as Robert Sala in New York, you know, cause he was, that was D'Amico's predecessor. Well, who was Robert Sala's guy last year? Sauce Gardner. You know, he let Sauce run all over the field, chasing the number one receiver. We had to watch Derek Stingley play in a soft zone all year long because of Lovey Smith. So I think we're going to get – and D'Amico even said that uh, on Thursday, and Nick said it with us on Friday because I asked specifically I, – I asked Casario about Stingley and his use, and the answer was we're, D'Amico is going to take the players and put them in the position to do what they do best. And that tells me he's going to stick Stingley on a receiver and let him go chase him all over the field and play man defense. Like he, he's a third overall pick. What are you doing? I mean, the three of us he can pick any of us and go play in a soft zone. You know what I mean? So, um, so I think that's going to be really, really cool to see. Um, but they got five picks in the first 75, you know, five of the top 75 guys in the draft are going to be as of right now, you know, unless there's trades are going to be Houston Texans. They got five picks in the first two days of the draft. So this is a fun time. It's a great time for us at the radio station because everybody loves D'Amico. You know, we expect listenership. It's already been pretty good. We expect it to go up. And then with the draft coming, anytime you've got a lot of draft picks and one of them is forecasted to be a quarterback, people get interested super quick. So um, should be should be a lot of fun. It's fun, to, it's fun to have the team that you cover doing stuff right. You know, that's it's been too long. I've done 38 post-game shows for losses in the last three seasons I, in wow. the three seasons beginning of 2020. So since the beginning of 2020, they are 11, 38 and one, the Texans are. So that's a lot of, it's a lot of angry phone yeah. calls, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say we, 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 got, we yeah. know, we know a little bit about that with the post game spaces. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 See, yeah. You get, Oh yeah. Rocket post game spaces. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and those spaces can get crazy. Yeah. You got to control yeah. them, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, the losses. Are, <laughs> Otherwise, it's a mob. Yeah, yeah, the losses are what makes those interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They they do, and they're and I will say this: like the the post game shows, they're not. It's it's not fun watching them lose, but it is fun to do radio with people who are mean, and that's the key. At the end of this season, the thing that would have scared me the most is if nobody's calling in anymore. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it, but we still had full phone boards at the end of the year because people were angry, you know, and people were concerned that they were going to keep Lovey Smith. So there was, it's when the emotion gets removed completely, that's death. You know what I mean? For all of us, anybody in the content generation business. So we, we need all of our teams to get up to speed quick, man. I agree. I'd say that's yep. everything for me, but I could talk to you for hours, Sean. But for this episode, we'll close. We'll definitely have you back on again whenever that's anytime. Happens. Yeah, but yep. go ahead. If anyone is clueless out there and don't know where to find you, go ahead and let them know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> getting gear, man. Um, at Sean T. Pendergast on Twitter, Sean.Pendergast on Instagram. Finally starting to try to beef up my Instagram following here. I'm told that's what I need to do to stay relevant for the next several decades. I got to have a got to have an Instagram following. Um, but then as far as the show goes, um, 6 to 10, uh, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., Sports Radio 610, Payne and Pendergast. It's me and uh, Seth Payne, and this is a great time to be tuning into us because the, the people are still riding this D'Amico wave, and soon enough free agency will be here, and and uh, the draft will be here. So it's um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. But, yeah, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., Sports Radio 610, and then I have my weekend show, which I just finished up uh 
the uh, Sean Pendergast show on CBS Sports Radio. I'm in a little, slightly different time slot right now for one more week with the Super Bowl. I'll be on 11 to 4 local Houston time, but starting the week after the Super Bowl, I'll be going back to my normal time slot, which is 1 to 5 p.m. on Sunday afternoons. So, yeah, you can find me there. The Utopia Football Podcast I do with John McClain a couple times a week, so you can download that wherever you get your podcasts. And I write uh, a post or a column once a day. Uh, so I stay busy, man, you know. Yeah, I don't let that grass grow under my feet. There you go. Sean's everywhere, so make sure to tap in with Sean. And for me, as you know, you can catch me on Instagram and Twitter at BradoNBA. Again, favorite stats, highlights, post-game Twitter space for the Rockets. If you're frustrated with a loss, come talk to us. Uh, if they win, you come talk with us too. So, yeah, that's where you can find me. You guys are like therapists. People, as they, 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 they <laughs> if, hey, man, if, you're, if, if, the loss, if the loss has you down, if you got a case, if you got a case of the grumpies, come into the spaces, and and Brado and Will are going. Well, I say are going to make it all okay. Or I don't know. What's your style in those spaces? Do you like try to kind of talk people off the ledge, or do you uh, you do you, let, inside, you know, Do you like you like Just, let's hey man? Yeah, good. Okay, good. If you, like you want to scream like the top that. of your okay, lungs, well, you, you got a, you got a space for that. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's good. Well, that's kind of therapy. You know, sometimes getting it off your yeah. chest is the best thing to happen to you. Yeah. Yeah. So, as always, good, you man. can find me on Instagram awesome. and Twitter Thank you, at Bias Houston. Uh, like I said, we talk about the spaces. If you want to come yell about the Rockets, uh, <laughs> that's that's the place to go do with it. Um, but yeah, we, as always, Sean, we appreciate you coming on the show. We appreciate all the insight. I, I think it's a really good episode. We're gonna touch on the Kyrie trade, and then we got some some nuggets about the Texans. So I really appreciate you and your time. Um, and with that, we'll see you guys next week. Make sure to sub. <laughs>